Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. Uh, we are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenlink Networks, which is a voice over IP uh, channel only uh, based out of Dallas as well. Business started in 2004. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're an MSP. We were originally founded in 1999. Many years in the working and here we are. So we hope that you really get a lot out of this podcast and learn the things that I wish somebody would have told me. Hi, and welcome back to the next episode of IT for Whiskey. My name is Joe Yusia, and today I have my very good friend with me, Byron Herrera. I want to say hello. What's up? What's up? There's your trademark hello. <laughs> Everybody recognizes you by the what's up. That's right. It's funny. Uh, Last week, I, I said to a friend of mine that I hadn't spoken to in a few months, I said, what's up, when I called him. And he said, oh, my God, dude. And he replied with that. And he said, you know, we just aged ourselves because my kids looked at me cockeyed. They didn't know what it was. I'm going to have to show them the videos. That's right. <laughs> uh, so how are you doing today, Myron? I'm good. It's a beautiful day in Texas. Uh, weather is nice. How are you? How's the weather up in Toronto? Well, today's not bad. It's a little raining, but it's warm uh, compared to typical days, but nothing like it is there. Like we were talking about yesterday, how you kind of rub the salt like usual. <laughs> we, we have a very interesting spectrum here. There's days that we hit that are 100 in Toronto, and then there's days that we hit negative 40. So I don't know what to tell you about that. I got to rub it in when I'm able to jump, drive around in the convertible and you're in, you know, you're getting snow. <laughs> yep. It is what it is. I know. You love rubbing it in. So, so what are we talking about today? I don't know. What are we talking about today? Let's talk about agreements. What is a managed services agreement? You know, let's compare it to a managed uh, master services agreement that you see in the telco world. So an MSA versus MSA, and how can it really make your life easier? We use a master agreement, by the way, a master service agreement on the MSP side. We're basically saying that there's this one master agreement that encompasses all the areas of all the things that we are selling you. And the customer agrees to that. So, you know, I think it's very possible to do it that way. I think a lot of MSPs don't do it that way. I'm not an attorney, but I think that I know we've spent a, quite a quite a few dollars to make sure that it was uh, it was in good shape. So, so yeah, so we use, so basically on the Cinetech side, we use a master's agreement. Sometimes there are things that I've seen in when I'm helping another MSP, that there are th there are things that they don't have in their agreement. Very basic things, just to mention one. Like in ours, it talks about the customer not being able to take our our staff, and if they do, what that you know what it would cost them. And that sounds pretty basic, but the reality is that I'm sure that there are other people that are listening that might not have that in their agreements and they're open to their customer, you know, or a customer that's leaving to take their, their staff away. So that protection is important. We had that case once, you know, and that's why it's in the agreement, uh, many, many years ago where a customer tried to, to take one of our senior staff members. And luckily the, 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 the staff member himself didn't, didn't go for it, but we realized that we had a, 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 a bit of a hole. And the reason why the employee didn't go through is because he had a non-compete, you know, 
non-solicitation kind of uh, environment. So, you know, that's one, one area, but there's, there's so many, so many things. You want to talk about all of them? What do you want to talk about? What, what, what resonates to you? So I, I, I think, I think, you know, starting, there's a couple of things we need to, to do to establish the foundation. First of all, uh, MSA, what does it really mean? So MSAs could mean a few different things to a few different people. It could either mean a master services agreement, which is common in the telco world and in, in the ISP world and the SaaS world. The other version of an MSA really is a managed services agreement. So they're used interchangeably, and it's it's really challenging when you see the acronym to know what's what. We actually have made it simple. We have a master services agreement that defines the relationship with the customer. It defines things like, yes, you can't poach our employees. You will pay your bills on time. And if you don't, here's the penalties. You will not abuse uh, the services that we that we provide to you. You're going to, you know, acceptable use policy. Yes. I've, I've blended it into our MSA. And ironically, our MSA is actually five pages long and applies to everything we do. Because as, as you know, you know, and our, our listeners know, we have our managed services practice, but then we have our telco data center practice. So we're, we kind of are a hybrid shop where we're a full-blown CLEC and ISP and data center company. And then we have our, our managed services side of our business and they go hand in hand. We talk about, like we have one clause that talks about the, the prohibiting the publication of certain materials. So that kind of covers, uh, it's a light version of a non-disclosure. We have a separate NDA that we sign, but the big thing is, you know, they're not going to take our intellectual property and spew it all over the internet. They're not allowed to share the quotes with any other company and et cetera, et cetera. So that's actually within the MSA. But we also talk about things like software delivery. You know, our MSA by default does not include any software, does not include any services, and does not have a dollar value attached to it. So signing off on an MSA doesn't commit anyone to anything. It's an understanding of how we do business. Yeah. Subsequent to that, the way our lawyer kind of put together our our tree of structure is every time you sign off on a service, it would have what we call a, a service agenda, or sorry, service addendum, an essay. And those service addendums are, well, if you sign up for internet service, you'll have your own set of um, service or terms and conditions. Telco, your own set of ser uh, terms and conditions. If you're doing your uh, managed services, that's where we actually have another we just call it an essay as well. So essays are dependent on the product. And the cool thing is we actually built them uh, right into ConnectWise or, you know, whatever your quoting tool is. We take these essays and the MSA, they're all published online on our web server. You need the link to get to it. You can't get to it from our plain website. But when you look at your quote, there's a link to it saying this quote together with this essay is what you're signing off on. And by the way, you are also agreeing to the MSA. So that's the way we structured it to keep it very fluid for our customers. And this way, we don't negotiate our MSA with any customer under any conditions. We've had customers try. We won't do it. So on the, on the Greenlink side, that, that's very similar to the way that we have it. We have a, a, an agreement page and it, it's linked back to the actual you know, there's a link on the page that the customer is actually signing that leads you to that agreement page. Uh, on the Cinetech side, we we have it in, we also use uh, ConnectWise Cell, aka Quilzo, for those that have been around for a long time. And we have it built in as part of the template 
so when the when the template is pulled up, it it comes up with all the information. Some of the things that we put into our agreement for the MSP specifically is that we have a section that that talks about the things that are are included and not included in our agreement, and it spells that out outside of the legal jargon, and it's very straightforward. And it says, you know. Hardware, software is not included. This is not included. After hours is not included or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So those, but it was, it was very important to make sure that that stuff was, was clarified because in previous versions, we didn't have that very well defined. And recently with the Sabino CompTech acquisition, you know, I've been spending a lot of times looking at agreements, making sure that uh, the old agreement, our old agreement, Sabino's old agreement kind of worked together and which what are we looking to use moving forward in that space there's there's there are things like defining the things that are included so that way because the problem is that we as 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 human beings you know as a whole don't don't always think about worst case scenario and the agreements only come into play in a worst case scenario so you know and this this applies which is a totally other top topic you know when you have a buy sell agreement, when you have your 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 partnership agreement, and all those things, those agreements only come into play when when something is gone terribly wrong. Yeah, when it's gone ugly. Because if if you have a good relationship with the customer, it doesn't matter what the agreement has. You'll you'll bypass it. You'll you know you'll give in on stuff, or maybe they give in on stuff because you have a good relationship. The only time it comes into play. So thinking through that, you have to think worst case scenario. What do I want to protect myself of? What do I want to make sure that the customer knows? Some of the things is it allows us to, in the way that we have it structured, it allows us to use whatever tools we want without having to ask for an approval. If we're changing, let's say, from one backup provider to another backup provider, and that's going into products and so on and so forth. But it's important that your agreement allows you for that language and that that flexibility. But it's surprising. Honestly, it's really surprising how a lot of MSPs don't have their agreements up to snuff. And, and they don't spend the money on making sure that the proper people vet. You know, it's okay if you want to copy and paste somebody else's uh, agreement. You know, that's, that's cool, but make sure that after you copy and paste it and you're going to go ahead and use it, then just, just, just spend the dollars and have an attorney review it. Because the reality is that when you're in business and you're in real business and you have, you know, you're going to have good times and bad times with particular customers, there's going to be a case where you're going to have to pull the agreement out and enforce what's on there. So in our case, I'll talk about the, we don't allow a customer to get out. And, and I found this very odd with somebody else that, that had an agreement. We don't allow the customer to get out of the agreement if we have not had an opportunity to fix whatever it is that they're, they're claiming the reason why they're, they want to get out. So let's just hypothetically say we have a customer, they've been having an issue and it's ongoing and they say, you know what, I'm ready to leave. Well, you have to give us the opportunity to, now that you have in written notice given us that you have to give us the opportunity to get out or go out and, and resolve this. And we don't let them get out of the contract that way. So what has that, that has done is one, the times that we had that issue, which is very minimal, but the times we have that issue, it gives us the opportunity to go back and fix the relationship in the cases where they do want to leave because they decided to sell the business and now they want to get out of the contract. They just can't get out of it. They'll have to pay out the contract. And we've had that happen as well. Having these, you know, again, spending the money with an attorney to review and make sure that you're fully protected is, is, 
is well worth it as as expensive as it is you know especially for a smaller msp i know that at the beginning when we started we didn't want to spend the money on an attorney and we kind of just flinged it um for the first you know one or two years you no know, do you know what i did i went so true story um I went to our local university. I spoke to the head of the law department there, which the the heads are always eager to to talk to local businesses that want to hire students. And I said to, to her, I said, look, I said, we're a small business. I can't afford a full-blown lawyer right now. I need your top law student that's about to graduate, that understands contract law. Who comes to mind? And she said, there's two people that come to mind. I don't know if they'd be into it. But let me pass on their information or your information to them. I'll see if they're interested. And sure enough, one of the two actually came. The other one I never heard back from, but the one did come back to me. And she said, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested and let's talk. So she came out, did like a screening interview kind of thing. She clearly knew her stuff. And she helped me craft the structure of our agreements. It's going back oh, 10, 15 years ago or so. And the good news is to this day, we have the same structure in place and it was her idea to structure it this way. And we paid her, but I was, I only was paying her like 50 bucks yeah. an hour. I guess this yeah, is a yeah, while yeah. ago, but nonetheless for a student making 50 bucks an hour, Hey, you know what? Pre your, your uh, pre bar kind of thing. So she's final year of law school, but pre bar. And she was happy to make some side cash. She made, we ended up paying, I think in total about 2,500, maybe three grand to get all our agreements done. In the beginning, we ran with that. And then as we grew, I said, you know what, we need to find a proper lawyer to vet these. And so we went to a proper lawyer and I paid five grand for him to validate that everything she did was right. So talk about a waste of money, but whatever. It was just insurance. That 5,000 is is still just a, it's, it's pennies oh, right. of what it would cost to have, to have a real, like have an attorney to go through the entire process from zero to yes. 100. So the fact that you mitigated, you know, 80% of the work, you know, that that's great. Well, I asked him, I said, how much would you have charged me to do this? And he said, this would have been 50 grand straight up. So I'm, I was well ahead of the game. You're right. And that's because I lucked out and found a good student that was able to do it, et cetera, et cetera. And she had the right mindset. But th what I was getting at is, uh, as you know, I'm sorry, to, but you, you also assumed a bit of risk there. Yeah. But I could afford it at the time, right? Yeah, like yeah. It, we were yeah. still, I think I had five managed services customers at the time. So how big of a risk is it? It, it right. was yeah, yeah, of course. nominal, right? It was acceptable risk. Anyways, long story short here, fast forward a decade or so. And we literally, as you know, every December is the time I spend to review the agreements, update it for laws that are have just changed and the laws that I know are about to change, et cetera, et cetera. I spend about a grand a year. It takes the lawyer a, an hour to a year to kind of go through it with me. And we kind of, oh, no, we got to tweak this, tweak that. Now, I'm kind of fortunate that I, I can write legal. So I do the authoring myself and then he just validates it for me every year. I just spend 45 minutes or so picking his brain on what has changed and then here's my 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 adjustments and what do you think and he approves it. So yep. I do avoid costs that way, but it doesn't cost me a lot is my point every year. And the nice thing is I know our agreements are in clad and like you, we 
also require a full buyout if they want an early termination. And in entire, our entire history, we've only had it happen once where a customer's like, no, I'm done. And they paid out the last 18 months of the agreement up front because yeah. they agreed to that. We had a similar situation. Uh, I, I, I can talk about that. They, they, had an, uh, they had a year left on the agreement. It was, a, it was a pretty big agreement. The company was bought out and the new buyers wanted to get out of the contract and you know they had to pay and it was actually you know it was funny is it, it was right around this time of the year and all of a sudden i i, I logged into the account i remember we were much smaller and i logged into the account the bank account and they wired the entire year's worth of funds and i'm like i'm like what what just happened why why is there so much money in the account <laughs> it's <was> pretty funny <laughs> merry christmas yeah exactly hey speaking of merry christmas what are you drinking today, buddy? Well, I don't even you know. know. Usually some, we talk about that ahead of time. What are you sometimes, drinking? you know, sometimes you have to go to the heavens and, you know, hang out with angels, you know, and things like that. So today oh, I'm drinking yeah. a little bit of Angel's Envy. Isn't that Giovanni's favorite? It is one world? of Giovanni's favorite. Um, I think he left this bottle here, so don't tell him that, uh, that I'm <laughs> drinking it. Uh, but this bourbon is uh, if those that don't know it's finished in a port wine barrel sometimes it's hard to find right now it seems to be very available so if you can find it i would definitely recommend buying one it's a it's a bourbon but it'll be almost as good as a scotch definitely something to drink uh, 86.6% proof uh or 86.6 proof it's a nice bottle it has a as you know, it's got some uh, angels' wings painted on the back of it, which is pretty cool. So true story. I don't know if you know this story about me or not, uh, Myron, but when we first met, I did not like bourbon. I know that. I was not a bourbon guy. I didn't like it. I had tried it in the past. Everyone I tried, it was the corn syrup that I tasted in bourbon, and I hated that taste. Fast forward a couple of years later, I meet you guys, and... You introduced me to some interesting bourbons, and it started with Angel's Envy. That was the first one that I tried that I really liked. That's and interesting. then I tried uh, Elijah Craig, and I tried a few others, and it opened up which you don't this like whole new world. You, you're not a big Elijah. I love fan. Elijah Craig. Oh, are you? Okay, I do like. Him. Oh, it's in Giov- I think it's Giovanni. I can't. No, I I like Elijah. I I like it in in moderation because it, again the corn syrup I taste it right and it it doesn't agree with my system all the time if I have like more than one or two, but um, anyways my point is that my whole world opened up and a buddy of mine that lives in Saskatchewan uh, is a huge bourbon guy huge biggest bourbon guy I know, and that's all he drinks and he loves his bourbons and so. Uh, we were at an event in LA and he brought me to a bourbon bar and I, he was like, try this and try that. He's like, ah, oh, you know what? Forget the expensive stuff. If you don't like this, you don't like, you won't like the expensive stuff. And I was like, that was the day I decided, yep, bourbon's not for me. And then fast forward and now that changed. I love my yeah. bourbons. I mean, but again, you get what you pay for. I, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I, I also wasn't a big bourbon guy before the podcast. I started to drink bourbon. Truth be told, is you know, uh, uh, Craig was the one that kind of pushed us to to drink it. Um, and I found some that I I've been you know I I now have a pretty big bourbon collection. Yeah, seventeen ninety two bottle and bond. <clears throat> no, no comments there. Um, uh, but... Right, someone likes that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I remember the day you bought like two cases. Yeah, stop it. I did not do that. That's not true. Ruth, my wife, uh, no, that that's not true. I did not buy that. 
<laughs> what are you drinking? Let's change subjects. Let's. What are you drinking? <laughs> I actually went out today, and uh, on my way to the office to do the the show, I stopped at our liquor store because um, I don't have much in the office anymore due to a recent incident. Yep. Walked in, and one of uh, the guys I know there, he had texted me and said, hey, you need to come in. I got a special treat for you. So I went in on my way back to the office after a meeting, and lo and behold, they just got a shipment in last night of the final bottle in the Game of Thrones series Very that nice. was produced. So there's nine bottles in total. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit of a treat. Um, and quite honestly, I'm kind of liking this a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I told you earlier, I kind of put it on and price wise, I think it's too much money for the quality of whiskey. It is, but it is, Yeah, but it's a special edition. It's a special edition, limited edition. It's actually gain a gain of game of Thrones. It's called the six kingdoms. It's made by Mortlock. The Mortlock is a division of Diego, which is the same distillery that is putting out a lot of the Johnny Walker bottles but it's a separate division. And so normally if I would have known that ahead of time, I went and bought it, but the container it comes in is gorgeous. It's like this really nice gold with an Eagle on it. Like the, uh, I think it's a crow or whatever it is that was common in all of it's the a crow. It's a crow. Yeah. Anyways, one of the cool things about the distillery is it, Diego didn't own it from day one. It was actually built on a historic site. Um, it was a big uh, battle in Scotland that uh, had a, you know, significance in 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 the war era. It was the the first major battle that was to legitimately rule over Dufftown's whiskey trade. So it was it was pretty significant in with respects to Scotch in the the whole history. Um, but the really nice thing is. The raven is what it is. It just came to me. Sorry. If you look at the bottle, it's got the raven with the the, the wings spread. It talks. It's literally a, a direct reference to the history of the the uh, Dufftown whiskey trade. So there's a lot of historical significance, which I think is kind of cool. Then they, t- which the fun part is, they tie it into Game of Thrones. Now, about the whiskey. You know what? Actually, it's pretty darn good. Again, I think it's overpriced for the value, no question, but it's a limited run, so you take it at face value. It's a 15-year-old whiskey. I really, when I took, and you saw, when I opened the bottle and I started taking in the aromas before I tasted it, I, 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 it was fresh, which for a whiskey is weird. It, was, it tasted fresh and fruity. Like I'm talking apple is what I smelled, like apple cider kind of freshness so it was it was really nice i tasted other I, I smelled other fruits like maybe some cranberry juice i've never smelt that wow. in, in a in a whiskey before so it was like a, a fresh fruity typeness to it and then when you drink it it actually has a very earthy tone to the taste so you're getting fruity aroma with an earth tone so i i kind of like that I, you know, I, I read some some stuff about it. It talks about dark chocolate and spices and vanilla. I didn't taste any of that. Like, I didn't get the chocolate tone. I still have a fresh taste in my mouth. Now, one thing I did say, I will say, I tried it neat first, and then I put a cube in it the second time. And it is um, 92 proof. So it's, what is that, 46%. So it's a little bit heavier on the body until you open it up. With all the whiskeys that I drink, you know what they taste like to me? 
they taste like whiskey to me. I can't, I'm not, I don't have that palate developed yet. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you talked about uh, earthiness or earthy, you know, there's some cigars, which is another topic um, that I like that are earthy, they have that earthy taste. Um, so I can, I can relate to that. We need to do an episode on cigars. I think you need to come to Texas. No, I think man. you need to come to Texas or I need to go to Canada and we need to smoke some cigars and record and, you know, right. kind of do it so, together. So what we can get things here that you guys can't get there. Like we have actually our cigar selection up here is really good. Okay. So before you, before you ruin my day, do not say that you have some Cubans that are better. No, no. I, blah, actually, blah, blah, some blah, of my blah. favorite cigars are from Dominican and Honduras. So we can get all of those. If we really want to talk about cigars, we should go to DR, do an episode out of DR at the at the factory. Done. Done. Let's do it. Done. Hey man, you know how much I love DR. It's it's it literally is like one of my favorite countries in the world. So I'm all over that. Um so, so back, back on topic with, about back to agreements, yeah. About agreements. So the one more thing I was gonna say is so there's two th- other things that every MSP has to have it's not an option it's not i'll get around to it you absolutely have to have these two agreements one is called a statement of work so our master uh, services agreement and our service service agreements for each individual service we sell does not talk about scope it talks about terms and conditions the way we'll conduct ourselves the way they conduct themselves paying bills on time we're going to deliver on time etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera. service level agreement will talk about deliverability so we've chosen as an organization to avoid service level agreements we actually use another term called the service level objective and the reason when we were younger and smaller is because we could never guarantee we're going to get to something in four hours. It might take us five or six. And I couldn't afford the financial impact. So as a tip for our smaller MSPs, avoid SLAs, use an SLO. Now, fast forward 15 years since we wrote these things, our SLO says we're going to try our best to get to you in four hours. And our typical response time right now is like 90 seconds. So it's no longer an issue. I can convert to SLA and it wouldn't make a difference. But I, you know what? From a legal perspective, it makes me less liable. And with SLOs, there's never financial clawback. So they can't say, you missed your, your SLA by an hour. There's a percentage I'm getting back because it took so long. SLOs never have a financial type of, of impact. So the other thing that we use is an, a statement of work. So our SOWs are generic. It could be, we use it for both our managed services and our project work. And our SOWs are so simple. It's a two page document. And if you go to your local like workplace safety board, uh, we call it WSIB up here. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what they call it in the U S but your safety government safety agency, whatever they're called, you can get actually a generic document for them for free that will say, you know, things that you expect your customer to provide you in order to deliver. So for example, a clean workspace, something that's safe. I'm not going to get my, my employees not going to get electrocuted. Things are not going to fall on top of their heads. You're going to give me access the way you agreed to, not that my guys show up and you close the doors on them kind of thing. You agreed at two o'clock on Friday, they're going to be there. You're going to let them start working at two o'clock, not at five, and then expect me 
not to bill you for those three hours. So things like that of that nature um, is in, they're going to keep their entire environment up to code, like electrical and safety and whatever, whatever that all has to be up to code. Not that I'm going to have leaking pipes on my guy's heads, right? Things of that nature are all in the, the SOW and that's very generic. It doesn't even talk about I'm cabling or I'm putting servers up or I'm fixing computers or there's no mention of that at all. It is an environmental statement of work. Yeah, it's, it's setting the, the ground rules, basically. Bingo. And that they're going to have internet when they get there, for example. And if they don't have internet, there may be extra charges applied or whatever the case is. Ours isn't that that developed. I think that there may be some areas that you're you're probably going into further because of your your ISP business. It's actually the MSA business that allows us to go. That we did the SOW is because of the the uh, MSP. Yeah, so we deal we deal with projects, um, and then you, your project agreement is separate than to the to the MSA. So that that's you know you call it SOW, we call it a project agreement, but. Um, those those things are there. The bottom line is that MSPs are, in my opinion, my humble opinion, MSPs are never or are not protected enough. They're not looking at agreements and making sure that it's in line with their business practices and it's in line with protecting them from situations that happen with their customers. We're always thinking that's never going to happen until it happens, you know. Uh, so what we're here is to raise the flag, raise the alarm, make sure that you protect yourself as best as you can. And if, if you don't have the money to spend it on the attorney, you know, use an alternative like, like Joe mentioned, you know, or maybe copy somebody else's uh, uh, agreement and then have your, an attorney that you trust review it and make sure that the things that are important to you are in there. But at least half of the agreement is already created. So you now you reduce the cost from there. Sorry, attorneys. You know what, you know what people can do? Go to AT&T or Verizon or any of the big carriers. Or, or any of the big MSPs. Their stuff's published. So R&D that, you know, replicate and duplicate, not research and development. R&D that, tweak it for yourself to start. And then when you grow yeah. and you can afford it, maybe the next step will be hire a legal student. See if they can vet it for you. That's It'll right. be low cost. And then from there, once you've grown more, hire a formal firm to actually go through it all. That's specialized. The key is you need to find not just any generic lawyer or legal student. They have to specialize in contract litigation. Yes. I agree. And another another area is that it, it, there are things out there on the web that you can buy. They're template based that are right. specifically to the managed service business that you can potentially, again, you get a starter kit. And I'm not saying start with that and run with it. I'm saying start with that, then read it, decide what's missing and send it to an attorney, you know, so that way you can make sure that you got something from, you know, and you don't have to start from zero because the, the big, I mean, I'll tell you something. I, I, I recently just did a, a purchase agreement, obviously, right. For, for the acquisition. And we did it from zero because um, I didn't have one. And uh, honestly, I read a few online and I wasn't happy with them and it cost a lot of money, but now I have a template. So even if I go and do another acquisition soon, 
I have a template of what that agreement would look like. And I just have to adjust the things that I like or don't like. So if you take that principle and you apply it, you find another agreement, maybe a friend, maybe another MSP. I'm sure that through forums like that, you can get a copy of, a, of an agreement and then have your attorney adjust it to your likings and, and vet it. You know, you're going to save some money and get and get the result that you need. Other thing to do, check with your local chamber. They have a lot of contracts that they'll give out. Uh, chambers are great resources for, for smaller organizations. Uh, SBA in the US, uh, the BDC in Canada, also have some great contracts or documents and templates. No charge. It's right on their website. Um, you know, so start there, look at larger MSPs, the ones that are, you know, you know, a couple thousand employees. There's a few of them out there that are very large. Their MSAs and templates are published online. Like ours are as well, but you, you won't be able to find our links because it's very cryptic and specific to the customer on the quote. They're the same links all the time, but you, they don't show up in search engines because we hide it. Um, but if you're really stuck and you really need help and you want a starting place, email us. We'll be happy to help you guys. We'll be happy to kind of share some information with you and kind yeah. of prep you up and whatnot and give you some no charge kind of advice. I could share my MSA with you. I'll share my essays with you, my SLWs. It's fine. It really is six, one half dozen, the other to us. We just really want to help the, the community grow and, 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 and get better. And you know what we, we need as MSPs, we need to protect ourselves. And by coming together, I think we can. Absolutely. And, and the, 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 the more, the more we standardize or, or secure our industry, the less you're going to have customers that think that they can get away with things. So it's important. And, and yeah, I completely agree with Joe's comments. Uh, whatever we can do to help, just let us know. Again, I'm not an attorney. I'm nowhere near, but you know, you, you take it with a grain of salt, you take it to a real attorney and you vet whatever it is that we're telling you, maybe reduce, you know, instead of them charging you 10 hours, they charge you one, two hours and you know, there it goes. So the only thing I'd ask for return is if you do come up with some really good creativity from it or have some suggestions, feedback to us and together we'll grow together and we'll be better. And the big thing is treat us. We need our customers to treat MSPs as a professional services firm, not another IT guy. Yeah, you know what I mean? or, or or somebody's somebody's cousin nephew thing you that know, works running, out of his basement and has no overhead with no cybersecurity insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it's, it's a community thing. We're here to help. And if there's anything we can do social at it for Absolutely. Take it away. Have a good one, everyone. IT for whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at it for whiskey.com. You smoke that Cisco and you may, uh, DDOS yourself. <laughs>